Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I'm Charlotte Kessler, and I'm the new commissioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we are here for the week leading up to September 27th. Hold on, let me look at my liturgical calendar and tell you what proper that is. Proper 21. We're getting there. We are getting there. Wow, we got, but we still have, what, October, November, we still have like two months of ordinary time left. Lots of grow, lot of, lots of time to grow. Lots yes. of green season for everyone. Lots of parables. Yes, and we are so glad that you are here with us for this week of the Faith to Go podcast. Uh, we'll be discussing that gospel from Proper 21. But first, everybody, stop the presses. We have a listener email to share. And we're going to tell you yes. about it right now. Charlotte and I are ecstatic to the point of silence. Um, <laughs> we have... <laughs> it brought us a lot of joy. A lot that of joy. is for sure. A lot of yeah. joy. So exciting. So we got an email this week from... A self-described longtime listener, first-time writer. That would also describe most of the people that would write into the show because no one's ever written us before. You are the first. <laughs> so thank you to uh, David Lance, who is the director of youth ministry uh, at St. Barnabas in Cincinnati, Ohio, St. Barnabas Episcopal Church. Shout out to Cincinnati, Ohio, to St. Barnabas, and to David. Thank you for your email that you sent to us and i'm just going to read the first couple paragraphs uh and that david of david's note and that way we could just share the joy with all of you that's exactly right um so so david from cincinnati saint barnabas said his youth group uh loves the explanations we provide uh they go to the podcast um they listen to our podcast on forgiveness this last week and it was really awesome to hear uh their youth group explores how to better love their neighbors, especially when they don't always agree with us. One of the major aspects they took away from that is one, pray for them. And what they mean by that is just pray that God looks after them and keeps them safe. It's not to be done to get God to quote, wake them up or ask God to quote, change their way, but just to have God protect them. And two, to show forgiveness when they hurt you. Sometimes our words can hurt a lot more than actions. And when we don't always agree with each other, some very hurtful stuff can be said, usually when we don't mean to say it. So it's about forgiving them, maybe not saying it to them necessarily, but forgiving them in our hearts. So that was David's email, uh, a portion of it. He yeah. uh, listens to the podcast with the youth group, it sounds like, every week. And they discuss the points from the podcast. And so that was some reflections on the podcast about forgiveness. Um, love that. Well, and I have to say that, you know, that youth group sounds pretty amazing to me, as all youth groups are. Like, their youth group, I get more out of youth group than maybe the students that attend do, mm -hmm. um, or at least as much. And I love the way they reflected on the podcast, which was therefore reflecting on the gospel. And, you know... I look forward to hearing many, many more thoughts from other people about the ways that they are having discussions regarding mm -hmm. the different gospels. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what we what we would like to hear from you. You know, is any of your thoughts or any of your 
questions, any of your reflections uh, or comments based on what we've said in the Gospels. So David, Lance, David, you have done it. You did exactly what we were hoping you would do. And we're so excited and thankful uh, that you took the time to, to send us an email. And we want to hear from you, David, again, and from everybody else. Uh, we would love to hear any of your questions, comments, or stories from this week of faith discussion or reflection about this gospel that we're about to discuss. You can email us, like David did, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, www.myfaithtogo.org. That's also where you'll find all of the Faith to Go resources every week. And then you can also follow us or contact us through direct message on Instagram, at faith to go So, lots of ways to get in touch uh, email is great and we would love to hear from you all. Thank you again to David and shout out to the St. Barnabas youth group in Woo! Cincinnati, Ohio. Go Reds, go Bengals. Uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow. Okay. So, uh, we, great are, ice cream. <laughs> we're going to, uh, get into the gospel for proper 21 that's the sunday of september 27th it's from matthew chapter 21 verses 23 to 32 charlotte is going to read it and then we're each going to take some time to uh highlight a point from the gospel we hope you take into your week of faith discussion and then we're going to share a third point matthew chapter 21 verses 23 to 32 when he entered the temple the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said to the same, and he answered, I go, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collector and the prostitutes are going to the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. All righty. So Jesus is still on the parable train. Um, just the one thing I want I would like to highlight here, um, context-wise, is that while we, it seems like, so, so if you just were putting the lectionary together as if it was the gospel from Matthew, it would seem like Jesus is just on this, like, long long run of parables i mean how many weeks of parables have we had five six seven i mean it seems like a lot um but technically we have jumped from 
the 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 last pair the last last week we talked about the laborers in the vineyard which was the first parable the first verses in chapter 20 this is from the very end uh or kind of the the middle end part of chapter 21 so there's actually been a couple non-parable things that have happened in Matthew's gospel since uh last week's gospel reading and that might kind of inform how we understand the chief priests and the elders question to Jesus a little bit. Um, so so Jesus, since last week, uh, has gone to Jerusalem, right? So that's the temple that they're talking about, is the temple in Jerusalem. So he mm-hmm. made his triumphal entry, you know, the, the Palm Sunday entry into Jerusalem. And then, he, and then he cleanses the temple, you know, when he goes in and turns over the tables of the money changers. And then he goes to Bethany and curses a fig tree. Uh, <laughs> Poor fig tree. Yes, yeah, so sad for the fig tree. <laughs> and then he's back in the temple. Uh, and then the chief priests and elders come and ask him this question. So when they're saying these things, we can think of that as like all the things he's done. But also he just made this huge scene in the temple, flipping over all this stuff, calling out people, talking about you know like like being very having a very powerful kind of righteously angry prophetic moment of calling people out and calling out the practices of the of these very people that are approaching him and confronting him as he returns to the temple for the first time since he's done that so we can also kind of read it like who who said you could do this <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. who's giving you the authority to tell us how we get to run things in our temple like who says you can flip these tables over and throw out all these money changers? So that's that's also a little bit of what's going on. You know, it was like we're not just like kind of running through these parables. There's like there's there's narrative that is happening in the gospel. There is story that's surrounding these things. And so that's that's a bit of what has led up to this episode and this interaction. So that's the context for today. Uh, and Charlotte has the first point. Which you led into beautifully for me. So thank you very much. It's like we're we're a team. We planned it. I know. So I actually am going to talk about this very first section of the scripture that we have today, which is when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? And I have to tell you that when I read this section, we know that there's intent behind it. We know that their intent is to trip Jesus up. But also every time we read, we read scripture, we bring our own context to it. What we're living through and what we are experiencing definitely informs how we experience scripture. Mm-hmm. And for me, this question that comes from, they, from them is loaded with petulance. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is me bringing my own context to it. Um, but... Mm-hmm. All I can hear in this is by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you that authority, right? And I can hear the frustration in it, their their indignation in it. Um, and I start to think about times that maybe I felt that way with God, other experiences that have happened in my life when out of fear, frustration, worry, anger, I've gone to God and been like, why is this happening? Why are you letting this happen? And, and who gave you the authority to do this, to turn my life mm-hmm. upside down? Um, and I want to name that those moments, we are still loved in those moments. 
that there are there is the opportunity for our, us to take our grief, our anger, our frustration and lay them at God's feet. We know there's more that's going on in this section of scripture. Absolutely. But those that asking of the hard questions, that naming of our own pain, um, when we do that in our life with God, we are supposed to do that. Now, as part of that, I also want to say to you that, and we talk about this a lot in youth group to take it back to the youth group world, is yes, please ask those questions. Do it. Ask God those questions. Ask hard questions of scripture that will inform and shape your, your faith in ways that nothing else can. But also, be ready for scripture to ask questions of you right back. Mm -hmm. Because when you open yourself up like that, when you take your pain, your frustration, and all of those things, that rawness, and you lay it out in the open, then Jesus turns around and does exactly what he does here, mm -hmm. which is then ask you a question right back. So that instead of an easy wrapped up box of a question or validating our frustration, our concern, or anything like that, Jesus instead takes a question and points it to our own insides, to our own heart, and says, well, why don't you look inside and you tell me? Hmm. And if I ask you this question, what is it that you think about it? And so any time that we ask questions of God, of faith, of scripture, of all, all of those things, that we're opening ourselves up to having that conversation, conversation that hopefully we have with each other, um, a conversation that I definitely hope that we have with God, um, but most importantly, a conversation that we have with ourselves, because we are challenged to consider what our motivation is in asking that question. Mm. Is it coming from a place of fear? Is it coming from a place of worry? Or is it coming from a place of petulance? Are we trying to trick God? Like, wh where? what is our motivation mm -hmm. in asking those questions? Yeah, and I, I think that also Jesus... I wonder also if Jesus in this story is genuinely wanting to, if this is like a genuine invitation to these chief priests and elders, the people that kind of have been his, his constant, um, constantly, these, these are like the main players in this push and pull that Jesus's mm -hmm. ministry has, has been in the entire, his entire life, right? Like he is there to, he is there to, bring a prophetic voice to his Jewish tradition. He is there to reform and push back against the, the practices that he believes have, you know, gone astray from God's hope for people, for individuals, for salvation, for their wellness. And I have the sense that in this story, in this interaction, Jesus is genuinely trying to create a space for dialogue with them. Yeah. And I think he opens the, that's kind of his, that's why, that's the, that's the response. Like you're saying, you know, be ready for the question back. And the question back is supposed to invite openness and possibility mm -hmm. for dialogue. Because if they, because they have, they know what the answer is to his question. Like they, yeah. they must have, even whether it's the one or the other, whether it's yes or no, whether it's human or divine, Whatever their answer is, they must have an answer. They must have an inkling. They must have an idea. But their inner dialogue is not about being honest with Jesus. It's about what's going to preserve their position, mm -hmm. not about what's going to create what not what's going what kind of dialogue could lead to the truth. It's about preserving their power. Right. So. Right. So that kind of cuts off the possibility of of both like like le like 
getting closer to the truth through dialogue and wondering with Jesus and of relationship in a lot of ways. So, <laughs> so like I almost have the sense like if they had answered Jesus honestly, he might have answered them as well because yeah. because the le- the playing field would have been level. They would have been uh, being honest with one another. It would have been it wouldn't have been the chief like the chief priest would have forfeited their position of trying to hurt Jesus if they had just answered honestly. And Jesus was always trying to open up that kind of honest dialogue with people and everything that he's doing, I think. And and including in this situation, you know. And I think and I think that that gets to my point because I am I'm interested in I feel like like I Jesus is this whole thing is kind of like this invitation to to genuine wondering. Like Jesus is inviting through his the way through his dialogue for people to wonder about the about new possibilities. And like as much as the chief priests and the elders in this story are trying to end something, they're trying to cut off possibilities because possibilities and newness and the potential for new things being true or new truths being revealed is always going to um, push up against the status quo. And that's always going to make the people that are in power because of the status quo uncomfortable. But Jesus is modeling this. Jesus is like saying in this parable and in this interaction, like the, the key to the doorway to the kingdom of heaven is the ability to wonder and be open about the, about new possibilities and new things that God might be doing both in the world and inside of us. And those two things are related that they kind of feed one another, that if we're open to what we're experiencing, then that openness is going to lead to new transformation. And that's going to lead to new action out in the world. And, and so it's like Jesus is kind of putting to putting up these two different kind of parts of our inner life. There is like the chief priests and the elders. This part of us is interested in, in maintaining the status quo. It's kind of afraid of new things. It wants to stay the same. It wants to follow the rules. Um, it wants to earn its love in the world and its place and its worth. And then Jesus is saying, Jesus is inviting a change of mind. Like he says in the end and saying, actually, what would it be like for you to get in touch with this inner tax collector, this inner prostitute, like this inner, this shadow, if you will, the parts of us that we've pushed to the corner, to the side that we don't want to engage with, that we don't believe are worthy, that we don't believe are beloved parts of ourselves. Actually, that part is on its way to the kingdom of heaven already. That's going to get there before the chief priest and the elder in you. And if you do, if you engage with that, it will change something in you. You know, like mm-hmm. Jesus is in his invitation. The wondering is required of us to be able to keep moving, to keep changing, because there's nothing like there's nothing static about the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's like it's the invitation is to change into transformation inside and and then outside. And that's kind of the what the third point is going to be. But but just this like this this invitation to to the new possibilities so that in the face of the elders and the chief priests who who again are part of a religious tradition like they Jesus is Jesus's pushback is about how kind of like static this 
faith the the the, the practices of this tradition have become and to and to try to just kind of like break up that stasis and create some dynamism create some movement and that new possibilities are the things that create that movement getting in touch with all these different new parts of ourselves creates that kind of movement that makes movement in the world that changes things outside so that yeah. our inner life and our outer life and if we want to talk about it like the the spiritual reality of the kingdom of heaven and the tangible reality of the kingdom of heaven those two things inform one another and they and they have to be in this kind of dynamic interplay or else the 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 kind of cycle gets stuck and we don't really go where we're being called to go mm-hmm. that takes us to our third point right yes, it does yes, it does and that is the part that actually speaks about the parable itself and the response of the two sons. The mm-hmm. first son that says, no, I will not go, and then chooses to go, mm-hmm. and then the son who says, um, I'll go, and doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that call of the difference between words and actions and how we're called to actions to bring about the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Um, but also, for me, the piece that really kept sticking out was that idea of an empty promise. Those promises that we make that either we have no intention of fulfilling or that maybe we have the best intentions of fulfilling, but it's not a priority for us or it ends up being too hard. And so we just move on from it. We drop that ball, um, whether it's by choice or by lack of attention. And how I think for me, at least in this part of the, in this specific parable, that we're called to examine our intentions in that. Like, why do we make promises that we don't keep? Um, and how do we do better, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do, we, how do we live this life of integrity and deep faith and of word and working to bring about justice and peace in the world in a way that's sustainable, that allows us to do it? Um, and it's not that saying no and taking a deep breath is wrong. It's not that we aren't forgiven when we drop balls, but it's that we're constantly called to do better, Mm -hmm. to do more than just say the words, to live into the actions and the deeds. And and what does that look like for each of us? Yeah. And and then and then like Jesus is saying also the the mission, God's mission, the, the actions of God's mission aren't limited to what the religious tradition is doing or the leaders of that tradition are doing. It's like the chief, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are the people that the chief priests and the elders would say God could never be working through. They are, they are the ones that are on the margins that are on the outside looking in that are so far away from, from God's love and belovedness and mission that they're just wasting their time. And Jesus is saying, actually Mm -hmm. there's a group of people there's, the mission of God is what's being done with action. The ones that like the mission of God is the is the is localized in people that are changing, that are wondering, that are pushing for change in the world, that are marginalized and that are fighting for justice. Mm-hmm. So so the question then is how are your actions how are your actions lining up with where you see God moving in the world? And are your actions there there? Or are they somewhere else where you're telling yourself that that you don't need to be taking part in that mission of God over there because I'm perfectly happy believing what I believe and doing my thing over here? 
And so those are the two sons. It's like someone that says they're doing the things and not doing really anything. And someone that 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 says all the wrong things, believes all the wrong things, and does exactly what Jesus is is um, prophetically casting a vision for when he talks about the kingdom of heaven. You know, so that it is possible. Um, it's actually not just possible. It is a it is a guarantee that God will be moving beyond the walls of our faith communities. <laughs> And that we are called to look out there and see where God is moving and then go out and take part in that movement and not expect right. that we're the ones that are going to be directing all of creation on how to follow God. So that's three points. Uh, to recap, okay. point number one was Charlotte's. And it was about, you know, our that, that we have the option always to be critical and ask questions and ask questions of God and of Scripture and then we also need to be open to what kind of questions we are going to receive back from God. You know, being being open to this give and take of of critique, but also just generally like wondering about how we're being called to transform and to change our mind, like God, like Jesus is saying in the in the parable. The second one was mine, and it was about that that sense of wonder and wondering about you know these not just kind of wondering about the parts of ourselves that we don't believe are worthy and that those are kind of the parts of ourselves that are going to unlock the kingdom of heaven for us, unlock this dynamism of uh, inner transformation that Jesus is always inviting us to and inviting everybody he is in dialogue with too. And then the final uh, point was a kind of a, a culmination of those two and thinking about action and how our beliefs and our theologies and our words line up with our actions and how our actions can line up with the mission of God and being aware that the, that God is moving out in the world and that we need to always be wondering, are the realities of my faith tradition lining up with my actions and are my actions lining up with where I see God moving in the world? And if not, what can I do to change that? So, Having heard that discussion, we invite you to go back and read this uh, gospel for Proper 21 one more time, see if anything jumps out. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you'd like to uh, get in contact with us, send us any of your questions, comments, stories from your week of faith discussion. You can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, www.myfaith2go, or you can contact us or follow us on Instagram, at faithtogo. Shout out again to St. Barnabas Youth Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Woo! David Lance, thank you for your email. Uh, we would love to read any more of your emails that you would like to send anybody. And we will be back next week, Proper 22, the first Sunday in October, October 4th. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.